0: You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and today I'm very happy to be joined by fellow contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver, PBH.
1: How are you today, my friend? I'm great, buddy. Good to be talking to you again in our sixth episode of the season, so it's really exciting. (laughs) Likewise, my friend. Good good to be with you today.
0: We are also joined by South Stance contributor, Chad Plummer from Cleveland. CP, what's the word from the
2: 216? What's up, guys? What's up? Good to be on with you guys. A beautiful day in the 216. Browns are looking good. and. Buckeyes yeah. one last night. Let's
0: roll. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so as many of you already know, the final score from Columbus, Ohio State 59, Akron 7. Now the Buckeyes looked a little shaky on both sides of the ball to start the game, falling behind 7-0 early, but settled down. Went on to score 59 unanswered to turn the game into the laugher that we all thought it would be. Starting in place of the injured C.J. Stroud, true freshman Kyle McCord shook off a rough first series to complete 13 of 18 passes for 319 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Though, to be fair, many of those yards came on short throws to the likes of Garrett Wilson, and Mecca Buka, which they then turned into big plays after the catch. Uh, McCord also threw his first touchdown of his career on a little pop pass to Chris Olave. So, you know, lots of easy throws were incorporated into the offense to get McCord going. In limited action, star running back Trey Henderson led the Buckeyes with 93 yards rushing on eight carries and two touchdowns. Garrett Wilson led the way uh, in receiving for the Buckeyes with 124 yards on four receptions. On the other side of the ball, it was a get right game for the defense, or so it would appear, holding the zips to 229 yards of total offense, registering nine sacks, 12 total tackles for loss, two interceptions, including a pick six by emerging star Ronnie Hickman. PVH, why don't you get us started? Why don't you give us your initial impressions of what you saw last night? It's
1: I, I don't know that you could really say we learned anything. I mean, it, it was Akron. It's one of those games, right? We needed it. We definitely needed a game where mm-hmm. they did what we thought they would do. Um, but very clearly it just became obvious they were overmatched. Uh that DJ Irons is a hell of an athlete. Yeah. And, um that guy, <clears throat> you know, I wouldn't say he's um You know, he's not the most, you know, accurate or or whatnot, but he's a hell of an athlete. Other than that, I couldn't find one kid on that team from Akron (laughs) that would even make our squad. So, um, you know, it's one of those things I think where, you know, I don't know that you can really learn a whole lot. I don't know that. And I know we're going to get into this here in a minute, like the quarterbacks. I, I'm not. I, I think I'm more confused about quarterbacks today than I was on Friday, <laughs> candidly. <Okay. laughs> um, and and then the defense. It's it's still hard to figure out who their you know twelve or thirteen best players are. I think that's the key that they really need to focus on. Mm-hmm. I thought James Laurinaitis had an interesting comment where he was, um, you know, calling the game, and he said if if the defense back when he was playing would be rotating that many guys in and out, it would drive him crazy. Yeah. And I remember, you know, and, and, you know, that comment sort of resonated with me and I think, you know, not ever having played big time college football, you got to lean on these guys, you know, when they say stuff like that and figure out who your best players are on defense, Mm -hmm. I think for sure. You know, like Haskell Garrett and that, what, uh, Ty Leek? Th- those are those are your, Tyler your Williams, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that guy's amazing. Um, but on uh, linebackers, I'm still not quite sure who the three or four best players are. But it was definitely, to your point, a get well game. It was, you know, good to see, even though we went down 7 nothing. And then the other <laughs> funny part, like I thought... The first offensive series was just a perfect microcosm of this season and sort of Buckeye fandom uh, in general, where, you know, everybody in the world screaming for the mullet or for McCord or, you know, anybody else in quarterback. And he comes in and throws that first series, probably three of the worst passes (laughs) I've ever seen anybody throw. And then we're all like... Fuck this, get, get Stroud back in there right away.
0: <laughs> he was nerved so. up for sure. Oh. I mean, th- those, those throws were, you know, he could have thrown those through a brick wall.
1: He was definitely yeah. nervous. That was well, obvious. I mean, the one was, what, four yards behind whoever that was, Alave, that was... Yeah, You know, those bubble screen passes. But then that, if you take away those three incompletes, he was 13 of 15. So obviously yeah. he settled down. But I just thought that was so funny, right? Like we're just pining to see some other quarterback <laughs> and he comes in and does that. And I'm like, yep, Buckeye fans, it's exactly what you deserve. So, <laughs> Right. Chad, what were your initial impressions of, of what you saw last night?
2: I wasn't one of the people pining for another quarterback. You could tell the kid hadn't even taken a breath as soon as he stepped onto the field his first start in the shoe and night game. He just needed to take a couple of deep breaths. Um, You know, he got over to the sideline and Dave's like, you could see me. He said, just breathe, man. Just breathe. Right. You know, So he got his shit together. I think uh, on the, what I really like from the defensive side of the ball, it, you know, like it was Akron. I think we'd mentioned that a couple of times on the text thread, but you know, I, I feel like the guys last night were almost on the same page Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i i feel like they were communicating they were running to the ball i mean nine sacks i mean come on that's it is it is akron but something like i i think i said last night it was a real you know i feel like we're we're kind of seeing something that we haven't seen in the last what five games four games Mm -hmm. starting with alabama Mm mm-hmm so who knows? Like you know, let's cult hope that continues. It's crazy. It's it is. It's a coming of age for the fucking young kids for at Ohio State, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's time for them to step up and shine. Um, I was impressed that we did uh, on offense our uh, third down conversion. We were like eight or eleven for you know for first downs on third down. So That's that right. That was impressive. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Trayvon Henderson, man, just, you know, must have been a good day. Give the ball to Trey Trey <laughs> He's special, man. That
0: yeah, he is. He is
2: special. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, what we look like next week, which I'm sure we'll get into, but, uh, you know, Rutgers is a good club, so we'll see a little bit better next week of if this defense is actually starting to get on the same page.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. Rucker is going to be a different kind of a test for this team next week. And and we'll get into that a little later in the pod. Uh, Yeah, I I didn't see anything from Kyle McCord that led me to believe that he should replace CJ Stroud as the starter. Um, you know, he looked very much like a true freshman. Made some true freshman mistakes. There were lots of easy throws installed in the offense there to, to help you know goose his stats. And to his credit, look, he he made those simple throws and let the playmakers make plays. It's kind of like a you know a a, a point guard playing on a you know playing with LeBron James, right? It's like you get him the ball, get out of the way, and let the playmakers
1: uh, make plays, which is you know can, what we can saw. I, can I pause you there for a second, Zach? Sure. So, and we talked about this. Why wouldn't Day do the same thing for Stroud? Right.
0: Yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, and I was actually thinking about that. I, I went for a run this morning just before we jumped on, and I was thinking about this on my run. I, I think, I mean, Ryan Day's offense is predicated on a vertical passing game. I mean, I think that's his, They, they, you know, they like to run the ball about 60% of the time, and then when they throw the ball, they like to throw, they like to go vertical. So no I agree with you. I mean maybe he could inst- and and he has, right? Those that's what those those frustrating bubble screens are about making, you know, easy throws for Stroud to get the receivers involved, which I hate those plays cuz it it seems like the defensive backs are on top of them uh, before he's even releasing the ball. But no, I mean I I think he uh, I, I think he he thinks a little more highly of Stroud. I think he thinks Stroud is probably a little further along in his development and Stroud is better suited to run Ryan Day's offense, which is Vertical passing game,
1: and that's that. That's my only guess. I I don't know. What's your take on that? PBH. I, you know, I I don't necessarily think I have an answer. I just know make you know make the game easier for these guys. I mean, at the end of the day, even if to your point, if he's more adapt to the vertical passing game fine. He's still, uh, you know, a freshman quarterback that's never played before. And, you know, he's got an injured shoulder. Yeah. You know, we talked about like these, you know, long down and out, you know, 30 yard passes. Those are hard passes to complete when, yeah. you know, a and Wilson and, and Smith Jigbuck or would just be running wide open, you know, six yards down the field. And we all know what happens when they can get the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. my God, they almost take it to the house every single time. So, um, I just think, you know, I don't, I don't think Day has done Stroud any favors with the games that he's called, um, you know, up until this point. And he clearly made some adjustments for McCord. And it just seems to me to be logical you would do the same thing for Stroud. Yeah, that's a
0: good point.
2: I will say McCord has a rocket arm, too, though, man. He's yeah, he does. He's needle on a couple sweet passes.
0: He did on the on the throw to uh, Smith and Jig by the touchdown pass. Boy, he put that on a rope, a frozen rope, right in his bread basket yeah. in stride. That was a, that was a nice throw. He had a couple other good throws too. I don't want to totally discredit McCord because he actually did make some down the you know some throws down the field. Paige, you make an interesting point, right. and maybe that's a, that's an adjustment that Ohio State makes as the season goes along. Personally, though, I think you know when when you're playing the Penn States of the world, the Michigans of the world. Uh, maybe even as soon as next week against Rutgers, against a feisty defense against Rutgers, your quarterback's going to have to make throws. He's going to have to make difficult throws. Um, you know, maybe not on every single pos- possession, but, at, you know, at some point you have to rely on your quarterback to make the throws. And I think Ryan Day's offense is predicated on a vertical passing game. And you go back to that Clemson game last year in the playoff. What were the knockout punches in that game? Right? Big time throws. There were two in the second half that just. It finished Clemson. The, the big, the long one to Alave, and then a little later, the the long one to to um, Jamison Williams. And, and I think you know, Dave believes in that. I think he's a, he would tell you he's a big believer in, in the vertical
1: passing game. You have to be a threat there. And uh, poor poor Clemson hasn't been able to get up off the mat from that. So <laughs>
0: they haven't. No, <laughs> they haven't. So, all right. Well, I, I have some observations I want to share about the defense. Before I go into those. Where are we as a group here on the quarterback situation? Are we all? Do we all think it's CJ Stroud's job? And if his shoulder's healthy, he's ready to go. He should be your starter next week against Rutgers. Chad, is that where you are, or do you have a different view of it?
2: I'm not 100% committed to to either, so like you know, option. It's so a week so, by week thing, then, I in mean, in your view. You know, that's really not my favorite way to roll. But, you know, in this instance, I, I think that's the the way to do it. I, I mean, okay. I'd like to see, you know, McCord get into, like, you know, some action where it actually, you know, it's not, not an Akron, not, you know, playing the Zips and see what he's got. I mean, I think the kids – I mean, listen, he's a five-star quarterback out of Pennsylvania. He's a baller. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Stroud is too. Um, But, you know, I guess, you know – just have to trust in Day to see. But I would rather have a, a healthy McCord than a 90% Stroud. Okay. Let's put it that way.
1: Fair enough. Paige? I mean, I, I'm not so sure Miller shouldn't be in this discussion. Yeah. He looked to me to be super duper poised. Yeah. Half, half of my brain says look, Day's a quarterback. He, you know, that's what he played. He, he He makes $6 million a year. He sees stuff in practice, obviously, right? If Day is right convinced that it's stroud then you know we got to roll with that um i'm not convinced it is and i'm not convinced that Miller, you know shouldn't be ahead of mccord but we don't know Uh, to your point though zach none of those guys did anything that you know would make you say unequivocally they need to be playing over stroud Mm -hmm. so if it's close and day's got to make that call then um you know then then stroud's the guy although i do like chad's thing right i you know, if he is truly hurt and how hurt is he, you know, then that that's the uh, that's another variable that needs to be taken into account.
2: How crazy is it that we're even like having this conversation about a co- Ohio State quarterback room that is so nuts. Three five-star quarterbacks and a four-star quarterback on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, when have we ever had shit like that? It's insane, man.
0: Not that I can remember. Well, it's a I, good problem to have. I guess so. I mean, yeah, it is nice to have those options. You might as well use them. And, you know, our, our friend Doug Maurice at Cleveland.com said earlier this week on one of their podcasts that, look, hey, Ryan Day, you set this up, right? You're the one that's – you've gone out and you've stacked these highly rated prospects One on top of the other, right? You know, some programs they alternate a year. You know, they they don't go after the top quarterback prospect every single recruiting cycle, every every single season or every single year, I should say. But day does that, and and he's filled his room with you know four, as you pointed out, Chad, highly highly rated prospects. Why not take advantage of the options if you have one guy who's got an injury and maybe isn't performing up to snuff? i I'm loathe to make a quarterback change in the middle of a season, just on general principle, just as kind of a you know a general rule. Ohio State is three and one right now because of their defensive woes. That's my opinion. I feel like Stroud played well enough in that Oregon game for them to win. You put up four hundred and eighty yards of you know passing yards. You should expect to win. The defense was an abomination in that game. So my concern is much more for the defense. I also felt like Ohio State abandoned the running game. Oddly, and you know they they chose the wrong starting running back. It took them a while to settle on the best running back in the room, and Trey Henderson. So for me, I would list those two issues uh, ahead of quarterback play. I think Stroud's been fine, give under the circumstances. Uh, But you know, if he's injured, and clearly he's his shoulders bothering him, then you need to rest him, and that's the best thing for the player. As soon as that shoulder's right, I I vote for Stroud. I I think he's 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 the guy. I want to see him given the opportunity to continue to develop in that role, but the shoulder may not allow that. And we might very well have to see what Kyle McCord does next week against Rutgers, because it's a, it's a health issue. Uh, It's not, it's not a performance issue. So uh, that's, that's kind of where I stand on the quarterback situation. Of course I always reserve the right to change my mind. We all do. I mean, if, if uh, Stroud is the starter next week against a feisty Rutgers defense and looks terrible, then I, I may have a completely different opinion, but where I sit today, I I, I think Stroud's the guy, and and McCord and, and Miller
1: are are you know a, a notch below. I know coaches would never, I think, logically, well, consciously do this or subconsciously do this, but it makes me wonder, you know, if if he sat, he could have sat Stroud after the Oregon game, right against mm-hmm. Tulsa, right? Every, no one thought we would struggle with Tulsa. But he played him anyways. And then all of a sudden, hey, the, the injury is worse than we thought. And, right, he, he's trying to keep this team together. And it's probably not for public opinion, but maybe internally in the team too. And he's like, okay, you guys, you, I'm gonna sit Stroud so you guys can see what I see every day, yeah. right, in practice. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, or, or these guys aren't gonna be, you know, coming in the game and lighting it up and, you know, making it, painfully obvious that they should be playing over Stroud. So I'm going to sit them so you can see it right. exactly as I see it. And then I'm going to go back to coaching my team. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: Yeah. Well, and that's what happened. I think, you know, we saw some, you know, this right. the, the exactly. Initial, that's exactly what happened. The initial returns, those first couple of series, a lot of people are like, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that that's, the, Tulsa played that weird defense where they were dropping, you know, seven, eight guys in coverage. And clogging up throwing windows against Stroud uh, last week, I, you know Kyle McCord. I, I don't know that he would have done much better in that situation. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it was just going to be a rough day throwing the football. It was kind of like the Tulsa kind of replicated what Northwestern did to uh, Justin Fields last year in the Big Ten title game. Like, we're not going to let this guy beat us. And, and of course, what was you know what that opened up was you know huge opportunities in the run game in, in both of those situations. So um we'll see I, I mean i it it kind of feels like this is just you know the the third chapter in in war and peace right like there's a long way to go <laughs> and uh i i feel like we've not seen the last of Kyle McCord whether it's going to be performance related or injury related it feels like we're probably going to see a little bit more of him i don't know would you agree with that page
1: yeah yeah there's no way um it's yeah i don't know well, actually, again, it's all the injury. I think. I think if, um, if yeah. Stroud, if Stroud is, or I mean, if if yeah, if Stroud's healthy, he's our guy. I think we've seen enough, right? To what right. I just said before. I think it was an experiment to see, yeah, these guys are, you know, they're capable players, but it's not like they're head and shoulders above Stroud. And right. so, if he's healthy, he's going to be the guy until he gets hurt or something else happens. Mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to circle back to something you said earlier, Chad, about. What I what I what I'm gonna call, and I think I mentioned this to you guys over text, a youth movement happening on defense. I, I think the coaching staff is done waiting for veteran players to step up, namely many of the seniors from the disappointing 2018 class. Now we all, you know, the, the big story uh, out of the game last night was the Kayvon Pope situation. Now he's clearly written his own ticket out of Columbus with what happened on the sidelines last night. As we all know, fellow linebacker. From the 2018 class, Dallas Gant entered the transfer portal earlier this week. Don't know what in the hell's going on with Seven Banks now. He got the start last night, but that was only because Cam Brown was unavailable. Banks, you know, oddly unavailable for the first three games of the year, though it was not injury related. Uh, the, the word, on, you know, on the street is that a, he's in the do- he's been on the dog in the doghouse. Pardon me, and and he's lost his job to a true freshman in, in Denzel Burke, Teron Vincent. Another kid, another highly rated prospect from the 2018 class uh, who's done jack squat, to be totally honest. Now, to be fair, largely because of injuries. He did not play again last, or he did not play last night. I think he's been put on notice. Paige, you mentioned him earlier, or maybe it was you, Chad, Tyleek Williams, who had two more sacks last night, another true freshman. So I think there's a youth movement happening on the defensive side of the ball. The coaching staff is done waiting. Now I think this youth movement is starting to pay some dividends in the secondary where I think Ohio State has something very special certainly in an emerging Denzel Burke a true freshman at corner he's been fantastic love what I'm seeing out of Ronnie Hickman right he had a pick 6 last night Lathan Ransom the rocket Lathan Ransom saw some time at deep safety I don't know if you guys noticed that but they're they're leveraging him in the secondary he's he's starting to play at deep safety I'm starting to feel real comfortable with that I'd prefer to see him there uh, and then, of course, Cam Martinez, who had a coming out party last week with the pick six, uh, he started, Martinez did, That I guess they're calling it the cover safety, not the slot corner anymore, but it's basically the same role. Now, you rotate veterans Brown when he's healthy and Banks in at that outside corner spot opposite Burke. I think that's a unit that can do some things, boys. Now, what And I think they're only going to get better as the season goes along. And to his credit, now look, it's been a rough year for Kerry Combs, but I think you got to give Combs a little credit here because we know that's his specialty, right? Is coaching up the secondary corners in particular, and we've seen some strides out of young guys, and they've, they're they ready now to, to contribute. I think they're much better in the secondary this year than they were last. Now, we'll see bigger tests coming down the road, but that's my big takeaway out of last night. <clears throat> and really, one of my big takeaways through four games this season is this youth movement that we're seeing um, – uh, in the, uh, in, uh, on defense Paige, you got any other thoughts on, on the defense you want to share?
1: Yeah. I, I, everything you said, I agree. I don't think, I, I think those guys are coming along. They're athletes. They're only going to get better with playing time. The defensive line got a good push last night. Yeah. Very disruptive. Haskell Garrett is, he's a difference maker in the middle. Yeah, I mean, if you clog up the middle, it just changes the entire game um and linebackers i'm still not i I can't keep it straight like who these guys are feels like outside of mitchell he's the only one i know like who is that guy but craig young um you know seems like a guy that should definitely be playing Mm -hmm. and um they you know did they figure some stuff out yeah perhaps again back to the akron you know, the variable. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see what happens when the competition stiffens up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it was was definitely a, a much more disruptive defense. I thought they were blitzing, throwing different looks, which is something, you know, that I've been screaming, you know, on our emails and text threads, like, Isn't the point of the defense to mix it up, show different looks to confuse the other team, (laughs) the the other quarterback, the other coach, like when you run the same defense over and over and over, doesn't it become more predictable on the offensive side? Again, I'm not a college football coach, just I've only watched 80 bazillion hours of football in my life. It seems like that's what you're trying to do. And it seems like that's what they did yesterday. They were, you know, all types of different looks, a lot of pressure on the quarterback blitzes. And it, it, it paid some dividends.
0: Page to your observations at linebacker, we still don't really seem to know. It seems like they're still experimenting with combinations now. The starters were Mitchell and Simon. They played the first few series. Um, but I'm starting to wonder, uh, after what I saw later in the game, is Steel Chambers their best linebacker? And should he be getting more snaps? Uh, he was Ohio State's second highest graded defender according to Pro Football Focus with a grade of 85.8 last night right behind Haskell Garrett. And those were not garbage time reps. He played, you know, he played all game long. I, I think Gant and Pope's departures kind of helped bring a little clarity to a very muddled situation at linebacker. Uh, some folks are worried about the depth and I and I guess, you know, maybe maybe that becomes an issue late October, early November when everybody's banged up. But personally – you know, I think actually that's, those are po- that's a positive outcome that those guys leaving the program. It, it was funny. I was listening to the uh, Letterman Row guys after after the game last night. And Jeremy Birmingham said of Kayvon Pope, he said, yeah, he's well, there are lessons to be learned about what happened last, last night, namely, if you have a kid who's tried to quit the program for the last three years, maybe you should just let him go. And he was referring to Pope. <laughs> so um, I, I do think that brings some clarity. Uh, you know, Gan, I think did it the right way. You, you you know, you've got this transfer portal available to you as a player if you're not happy. I don't know what Pope was thinking. Uh, you know, this is a guy who didn't come in as a top 50 prospect, right? This is a guy who was promised nothing, and both he and Gan have had four year, three plus years now to earn playing time, and they haven't been able to do it. And uh, you know, Pope, you know, hopefully he matures and and grows up a little bit. But I you know I think we're better off without Pope in that room. I wanted to look real quick at the uh, the snap count. And just to your point, page of kind of, you know, they still quite haven't figured out who their best guys are. Taraja Mitchell played 40 snaps. Steel Chambers played 32. Cody Simon played 24. He had a couple of nice flashes, including a, an interception. Tommy Eichenberg, they're still, you know, they're still throwing snaps, playing time at Eichenberg. He, he had 21 snaps. So those are their four main guys on the inside. And they kind of rotate between the, the, the mic and and the will they're kind of interchangeable, I think, in this defense. They just play on the inside. And that third linebacker spot is that bullet position. Now, you mentioned Craig Young Page earlier. He's playing that bullet, you know, where they're using a hybrid uh, safety linebacker. and that's kind of been Ronnie Hickman's role as the bullet. So I don't know what the answer is there, but from what I saw last night, we might be Boren. looking at a Zach Boren situation here with Steel Chambers. And all, by all accounts, Chambers was a hell of a linebacker in high school. And he was actually recruited to Ohio State as an athlete, not as a running back. So um, I want to see more of Steel Chambers, boys. I, I don't know about you. I don't – Chad, what do you think? Am I crazy I, here? I,
2: I mean, he – no. See, I'm like – I'm on the same page with you there, man. He, like, he was in a lot of action, like a lot of, like, you know, big stops. Right. He was right there, man. Yeah. Like, I think he's solid. And, yeah. I, you know – I don't know if anybody noticed last night, but you know, talk about the youth movement. Um, that like highly like he's the top inside linebacker in the country out of Irons in Ohio. Reed Jericho. Oh yeah, he played he a bit. He got some time last night. He actually. Yeah, yeah I think the future's bright. I mean, I I'm I'm not like I'm comfortable with where our linebacker room is. It's just I think they're just so fucking confused and like you said, it was all muddled with with you know. Like Gant and Pope. Yeah. Trying to squeeze everybody with Pope and Gant and everybody. It's t- yeah, it's, uh, good riddance. Get them out of here. Yeah. And one thing you said to give uh, Combs a little bit, I, I want to give Matt Barnes a little bit of credit as well. And I think what has happened is why we're seeing a little, we're feeling a little bit better today about our DBs again, even though it was accurate, but still our defensive backs, our safety safeties looked great. And I think it's because that's what Combs is concentrating on right now. Instead of the whole defensive unit, mm-hmm. something that he is like a guru at who's put number one draft picks in the you know NFL, the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. So you give a guy that's got that and not have to worry about the entire defensive unit, and, and look what what happened. So I think that's what we're kind of seeing. Give Mont Barnes a little bit of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I truly don't know who's making all the the, the calls, but it seems to me like Barnes is now making the defensive scheme. Oh, he is. Um, he's
0: so, calling. He's calling I, the plays defensively. Yeah. Although it is yeah. interesting. So I
2: mean, I'm excited.
0: I was listening to the uh, the Bucknuts guys. Uh, Dave Biddle was like, I, "I don't understand, though." He said, "That's fine. You know that Barnes is is making. You know, calling the defense. Clearly, he's more suited." To that than Combs, but it makes no sense to have Combs up in the booth where you you miss his energy on the sidelines. That's the one thing he will give you is energy on the sidelines. So it seems to, to make sense to flip them, right. you know, have have Barnes on the sidelines calling the plays, have Combs up in the booth, or sorry, have, have Barnes up in the in the in the booth overseeing everything, calling the plays, and have Combs down on the sidelines, you know, infusing uh, you know the, the sidelines with his energy. Um. Paige, before I, I – I want to make an observation about the defensive line, but any other observations
1: about what's happening at linebacker? No, I was just listening to you as you said that, and I was thinking back where you give Day the benefit of the doubt on the offense. I give him no benefit of the doubt on the defense why they would be doing it that way. <laughs> right. And then I also then just – I I shake my head that you go out and you hire a guy and you pay him $1.5 million and he can't call a defense. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. How, did, how did that happen? <laughs>
0: That was a big um,
1: swing and a miss, unfortunately. You know? Yeah. And so, I, whatever. I don't want to focus on the negative. It's where we are at, but we should never be in this place at no, all at no. Ohio State.
0: No, we. you and I were talking about this earlier in the week, uh, you know, over the phone, that uh, it, it's, it, you know, uh, would Nick Saban have put himself in this position? Well, first of all, he's a defensive guy, right, to, to begin with. But no, at Ohio State, guys calling your defense or your offense have to have credentials. They have to have done it before somewhere else. And it doesn't have to be a former head coach. But, uh, you know, I will say about Combs, I mean, I think all of us on the podcast thought it was a great move to bring Combs back to the the program. And, you know, he had spent two years kind of, uh, you know, having an NFL internship under Vrabel at at Tennessee. And, And it seemed to make sense to come back and give him that opportunity to run the defense. A lot of the folks whose opinions we listened to uh, out there the cleveland.com guys and and letterman row guys it was a largely celebrated move to bring combs back and give him an opportunity to run the defense sometimes things just don't work out yeah. and clearly it hasn't it it would seem you know i don't want to you know i want to get too far ahead of ourselves but it would seem that there there are going to be some coaching changes next year on the defensive side of the ball and i think Dave's probably going to look to bring in you know somebody with more credentials and more experience to run his defense I, you know, the one thing I will say, and it gives me some optimism with the defense, is, um, look, they have the answers uh, along the defensive line. They've got guys. That is where their highest concentration of talent and experience is, and it's just a matter of getting those guys healthy. For one, right, you know, Tyreek Smith did not play last night. And neither did uh, Javante Jean Baptiste, and also. Um, uh, Tyron T- T- Vincent missed, missed time yesterday. He did not play. So they need to get healthy there. But we've seen these guys, namely guys like Smith. Uh, you know, Zach Harrison was out last week. Get these guys healthy. Uh, I think you've got some young guys now pushing these veterans, which is very positive. JT Tui Maloau and Jack Sawyer are pushing these some of these young guys. And um, Williams, Tyleek Williams. So I think it's totally on the table that the defensive line is going to start playing better. And hey, look, they're coached by one of the best in the business and, and Larry Johnson. If that defensive line starts playing like it's just like it's capable, it should be one of the top units in the country. It really should be. There's no excuse for it not being one of the top units of the country. They get back to playing uh, where they're capable. I agreed. think that makes a huge difference for this defense. Absolutely huge. Chad, right? What, what, would, what would you say to that?
2: I mean, you're you're exactly right, Zach. This is what we expected. Like, I mean, to be one of the best defensive units in the country. Like, I, I mean, I was like, I, you know, everyone I talked to, I'm like, oh man, I'm so excited. There's so many great athletes on this defensive side of the ball. Our D line, you know, we got the defensive ends, we got the interior, and and you know, so I mean, God, let let it come to fruition because the talent's there, and you know, Larry Johnson, like, I mean, I. I you know, I think they're starting to communicate, and I'm excited. So hopefully, by the time you know you mentioned earlier, Zach, we get to the Penn States of the world and whatnot, we'll be hitting on all cylinders of defensive unit. And watch out, who knows what could happen from there? Because you, I'm not worried about our offense at all.
0: Yeah, now I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. There is an answer there, Paige. It might. W- would you agree with that? That you know, we've got some answers there on the defensive line. This guys just got to start playing better.
1: Yeah, they're all four- and five-star amazing athletes. There's no – and and what's the goal, right? Oh, not to be ranked in the bottom third of overall total defense in the country at a high state? No. It's – it's it's again, I don't want to be negative, right? It's astonishing that they could be – or could have played as badly as they had up until arguably yesterday. It has to be coaching, right? It just has to be. There's no other logical explanation. These guys – I mean – Every one of those guys you just mentioned is starting for every other team in the country, maybe except Alabama. But yeah. they're, they'll, they'll be so. What's the problem? Right. Figure out what the problem is. Hopefully, they did it with the shakeup in the coaching, uh, you know, sort of hierarchy, and and let's get our best players on the field, and we'll be totally fine. To
0: your point about coaching, I heard something very interesting. Uh, one of the Buckeye scoop analysts, Ross Fulton, he's a you know, really, really good X's and O guy, you know, guy, he really dives into to what's going on in the field and sees things that the average, you know, person doesn't see. He was talking about, um, you know, when, when Combs was still calling the defense and everything was out of sync, that the defensive line calls, the calls for the defensive line, whether they're setting the edge or they're crashing down or they're, uh, it wasn't syncing up with what was going on on the back end. And that speaks to coaching, right? Um, and, and that's why you were seeing uh, that, you know, Oregon scoring three touchdowns on the exact same play around end, right? Because the defensive line calls were not matching up with the calls uh, happening in the back seven, the, the coverages and then what the linebackers were doing. So, you know, you get that stuff sorted out. And then you let those guys, you know, just do what they do, get after the quarterback, win their one-on-one battles.
1: Um, I think we can yeah, see a very that different defense last night Sorry, go ahead, Paige. It goes back to that old Bill Bellet, just do your job. But if one guy's not doing their job, one unit's not doing the job, and it doesn't sync with you, then the whole thing breaks down. Mm-hmm. But with the amount of athletes they have, if you just do your job, they're going to be fine. And probably even better than fine because they're you know so highly regarded. Yeah. Chad, you were going to make an observation? But go like
2: ahead. Them. Yeah, was was last night the first time that we ever like a, like this season have laid a hand on the quarterback? I mean, it really yeah. was, wasn't like, it? Like, I the Oregon quarterback didn't get touched one time.
0: No, yeah, no, you're right. I think they came into the game with some, uh, three, I mean, made three she, or four she, sacks total coming in to, to the game last night. And uh, hey, well, let's I face it; it. I mean, it, it is or, it is Akron. I'm not sure how much of what we saw from the defensive line is replicable, you know, against the rest of ohio state's schedule but i i think a good bit of it is the talent is there the talent is there i do too yeah it's you know
2: i, they I think were, they, we, they they were going after the ball yeah and it's which we haven't seen and it's it was it's refreshing like you know you said it was accurate but still they just seem to be more in sync and you know i just wish they would have figured this out like in in uh you know april that uh combs was not gonna like be able to handle the entire defensive unit like right just let him focus on what he's his niche and like you know but it is what it is and hopefully that was a sign that moving towards the meat of the season like you know the penn State and you know michigan and you know hey don't count on michigan state man they they are not they don't look too bad yeah um but i'm excited i'm excited at least like yeah, i'm gonna take some positives away from from last night, and just try to hopefully it stays out play through next Saturday, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm excited.
0: well, why don't we talk a little bit about next week because we keep making reference to, to Rutgers before we th- we do that though, guys, are there any other observations, anything we haven't covered about last night that you'd like to
1: you like to mention Paige? I said it on text, you shot me down. Convince me that um how do you say his name Smith the uh-huh. He's not our best receiver. <laughs> he's he's
0: a hell of a talent, and he's going to have Dude, his day he's, to, he's to be good. the man. Yeah, he's really yeah. good. And
1: does it really matter? No. Are they all going to be first-round draft picks? Yes. Um, the other guy I was wondering about is – uh, Fleming, right? Like he's, he's got to be scratching his head. Like I yeah. was the number one recruit in the whole country. I can't even see the field yeah. on this squad. And it's on top of that, he's hurt
0: again. He he was. Oh, he he was yeah, he was in street clothes uh, on the sidelines. Yeah, he was on the uh, the availability report. Yeah, it's 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 been too bad for him. But you they know, said
2: he was starting to look good.
1: Yeah, but you know, would he play even if he did look good? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's better than than. All, well, it's clearly not a lot of Wilson who are just, I always uh,
2: butcher, is it Eguba? What, what is it? Emeka Ibuka, yeah. Yeah,
0: he,
2: he had an 85-yard touchdown last night. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Well, he got it down to the two-yard line, I think. He didn't I, quite score. But yeah, 85-yard yeah, pass reception right. was, yeah. he he's
1: And he's looked really good on kickoffs, too. I like him yeah. re- returning. And well, then we were talking about it before the pod, but someone's got to give a shout-out to Triple Distilled, right? I mean- yeah,
0: for in Unbelievable. Alabama, Jameson Williams. Yeah, he's he's played well for Alabama, and give him tons of credit for you know going to a place that was going to showcase his talents. And he's played well in Alabama. Give him a ton of credit, and nothing against him. He still would be a second teamer here. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, he's not starting yeah. over. He
2: gave the high.
0: Yeah, he's not starting any of our he top teams. The
2: Heisman. <laughs> Yeah, he's not. He gave the Heisman like uh, fucking stance in the end zone last night oh, after his second uh, return. Uh, okay, Jamison. <laughs> All
0: right, Jamison. He, he was but feeling himself on funny that. As hell, but, though. Yeah. That is funny. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I'm sure he must feel vindicated and good on him, and that's great. He's going to win a lot of games and, yeah, and rack up a lot of stats. He'd be a second teamer here at Ohio State. He, he's not better than Chris Olave. He's yeah. not better than Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's not better than Garrett Wilson. Sorry. He's not. And no. uh yeah. I mean to, no. to, to your to your point, I mean, Garrett Wilson, uh, you know, not only is he uh does he have suction cups for hands and the way he can control his, but his body control, he can contort his body and go up and get balls. Uh, I mean, but he's also doing things after the catch too. He had a gnarly stiff arm on his big 57 yard run where he just dismissed their safety. He's He's got a, he's a powerful dude. He doesn't look it; you wouldn't know it by looking at him, but he's, he's a, a powerful guy for, yeah. you, know, a, a, you know, a player that plays that position. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you, Paige. Smith and you Jigba is a hell of a you. player. Um, I, I just think uh, Wilson and Olave are just a, just a, you know, I give it, maybe it's their experience I give him just a little bit of an edge over Smith and Jacob. Speaking of the receivers, though, are we a little concerned that Chris Olave, you know, did not have a catch last week? He only had two catches last night. Again, in limited duty, right? I don't think he even played after halftime. But you know, he decided to come back. He surprised us all. Decided to come back for his senior year. And uh, you know, if you're if you're Olave, are you worried a little bit now? Like there's this situation at quarterback. Guys aren't able to get him the ball like Justin Fields would, you know, is he losing a little money now uh, Is or is that, or is this just kind of a little blip and, you know, he'll catch. It seems like, 10 well, it passes seems like he's week.
1: taken some pretty gnarly hits as well. Yeah. Right. Like that one Oregon game, it wasn't a targeting penalty, but like clearly got spiked. I, yeah. And you and know, last night, the, he got run up
2: last night
1: yeah yeah does like the injury oh god i don't want to get injured start to creep into the head a little bit i mean he's not the biggest guy in the world um so yeah you might be you might be onto something there zach i
0: mean if if, the other thing is if he's just not getting the targets he's not getting the opportunities is he just disengage because of that uh you know maybe not even consciously but uh you know it's a tough position as a receiver right
2: am i yeah, my thought on Alave is that like I'm not worried about it yet because I mean they, there's there's other receivers that you know are, are just as good, you know, as Alave, but the beautiful thing about it is there's going to be times this season where he makes big plays and that's mm-hmm. the that's the one beautiful thing that I can we can count on. I'm I'm pretty certain of so yeah. I'm not worried about him not getting the ball. There's just other talent out there, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think it. I think at this stage, it's it's we just call it a little bit of a blip, a weird situation, weird defense by Tulsa last year, dropping last week by dropping eight in coverage and clogging up those passing lanes, and of course, you know Tulsa paid for it because you know they gave up a bajillion yards on the ground, and then this week, you know with with you know a new quarterback, a true freshman. And maybe it's just a, a little bit of a blip, and we'll see next week at, at Rutgers if that turns out to be an issue. Guys, anything else you wanted to comment on about last night's performance before we have a peek at Rutgers?
1: All good, man. All right. I just want to say
2: one, Go one ahead, more Chad. thing. I just want to give uh, I just want to give Trey Trace some props, man. That kid makes some of the sweetest cuts. That it's just, I mean. No, yeah. but like he does, literally just right in front of their face that he makes a juke and those kids are like, ooh, <laughs> it's so great, man. He's special. Is he like Maurice Claret? Who's that, like, you know, like it's crazy. 2014.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, well, 2000, in Claret's case, it would have been 2002. 2002. Yeah, no, I All think right. he's more talented than Claret. I mean, he, he just I is. I mean, too, I see like, I see breakaway speed. I, I see, you know, um, but but yeah, I mean he he's certainly having that impact, the same impact that Clarette did. I think that's a great comparison. True freshman, you know, um uh, and, and much needed, right? Because the guys behind him clearly don't have that ability. All but, right. Yeah. Didn't Evan Pryor score a touchdown? I mean, he did. Yeah. It, and he looked smooth and yeah. he got out to the yeah. outside. And, you know, I I uh I I just uh, again I you give credit to to Meatball and to, well, I know he doesn't like to be called that, Mayan Williams and and uh, Master Teague. <laughs> and you have to, it's a tough balance to strike because these are guys that, especially in the case of Teague, he's got a lot of equity in the program. He's worked hard. They love his leadership. And, you know, but man, I, I, I wanted to see a little bit more of Evan Pryor after what I saw last night, right? I mean, that's a guy who looks dynamic to me at, at tailback, right?
2: Yeah, got. Yeah, you got the number one running back in the country, at Trayvon Henderson, and the number one all-purpose back in Avon Pryor. I mean, Jesus, I'm crazy. The
0: thing about Henderson that I, you know, I'm most positive about is to me it seems you've got something now that you can lean on when the going gets tough. When we get into Big Ten play, we get into crappy weather, we get into these, you know, slogs with you know the the the, the Rutgers and the Indianas of the world and and Penn States and stuff. Um, you know, Ohio State has a security blanket. They have some place they can go, where they can get production, where they can run clock, they can protect a lead. That running game is a huge security blanket. Um, so that that to me was the the biggest, most positive outcome. I think of what we're seeing develop with the running game. All right. Well, let's have a peek at Ohio State's next opponent. The Buckeyes travel to Piscataway next Saturday. It's it's a 3.30 Eastern kick. I believe it's going to be on Fox, if I'm not mistaken. It might be Big Ten Network, actually. Big Ten Network to face the plucky, pesky Rutgers Scarlet Knights, led by former Ohio State assistant coach Greg Schiano. I got I to tell you guys, I'm impressed with what I've seen out of Shiano. I was actually impressed with what I saw from Rutgers last season, in the shoe, they they made some adjustments to halftime in that game, and and played us tough. And Rutgers, Shiano, uh, he went deep into his bag of tricks and junked the game up, and got a couple of you know cheap touchdowns on some on some uh, trick plays. Yesterday against Michigan in Ann Arbor, though there was very little of that. They did have a little trickery that didn't quite work. But Rutgers lined up in the second half of that game and just beat Michigan up in the trenches. Now Michigan escaped with the win, twenty to thirteen. But Rutgers dominated the second half. I mean, at one point I think they had Michigan. I don't think they had a first down in the second half until very late in the game when they were salting the clock away and ended up hanging on to win, but Rutgers dominated the second half. They blew a couple opportunities in the red zone that were the difference in the game. Um, but, you know, going into Ann Arbor, Michigan playing really well, feeling really good about themselves. Uh, and they took Michigan right down to the wire. And I, I tell you what, boys, I think Ohio state is going to be in for a game next week. And if they don't play well, if they played like they did for three quarters against Tulsa, they could lose next week. That's my fear. Uh, Paige, Give me your initial view on that ru- matchup matchup with Rutgers.
1: Yeah, I didn't watch much of the, the Michigan game until you mentioned it on the text, and then turned it on. And you know they they had an opportunity to score a touchdown and tie the game. You know, late in the fourth quarter, I think it was what like second and six or something like that. Yeah, on a killer like killer penalty, or, like a legal yeah, motion or yeah, something. A, yeah, killer killer penalty. Uh, but again, is is Rutgers good or is Michigan bad? I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> right. right. Um, you know, and okay. So Michigan pulled it out. Good for you. Feel frothy about your four and record. Um, <laughs> Move you played, you know, it's probably good for us down the road, but uh-huh. to your point, um, Shiano's the real deal. He did it once before. He's doing it again. High State's going to have to play a very good game, especially on the road. Otherwise, they're either going to be in a dogfight. They easily could lose that game. I also wonder how in the heck Shiano ever coached our defense to be the worst defense in the history of high state football. <laughs> that is another topic to discuss at another time. But what, when he's at Rutgers, He's it's magic, he's man. The real deal. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: Chad, Crazy. before I kick it to you, I just want to uh, uh, mention a few stats from that Rutgers-Michigan game. Rutgers ended up out gaining Michigan 352 to 275. Now, Michigan came into that game leading the country in rushing. Rutgers holds Michigan to 112 yards rushing on 38 attempts. That's 2.9 yards per carry. So Rutgers uh, you know, really took it to the Michigan front You know, on that side of the ball in the trenches, really won that battle there. And then on the other side of the ball, Rutgers gave Michigan a dose of its own medicine running the football, almost two hundred yards on the ground, uh, for the Scarlet Knights and they got most of that in the second half, really dominated the second half, came up just short. Chad, what are your thoughts on Rutgers next week?
2: Uh you know, I mean, kind of like to point Paige's point. Like, is is Rutgers a decent ball club or is Michigan just that bad? I I, I think it might be uh I think my Rutgers might be uh, a better program, you know, than they thought. Good for Greg Ciano. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, Michigan's got some athletes that have been around the pro. I think they've changed up their defense. Harbaugh went with a younger staff, and I feel like they're they're better on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, I mean, I think the Big Ten's just, I mean, overall pretty good. I mean, Wisconsin didn't look that great yesterday, obviously getting their asses kicked 41-13 now. Minnesota getting beat by the Bowling Green Falcons. Ugh. That's crazy.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, that was not I a great will outcome. Get,
2: yeah. No, Iowa had a scare with Colorado State. That's because Evan was partying up there.
0: <laughs> right. <Evan Van> Horn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I agree with I you. So I... Go ahead, Chad.
2: No, 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 I'm good. Oh, okay, great.
0: Yeah, so uh, I, I agree with uh, Paige. I, I think we're we're, we're going to be in for a. Uh, you know, high State's going to have to bring their lunch pail with them, as they say, uh, to to win that game. And I, I if you're you know, high state fan, you're looking for style points, you're looking for a uh, you know, crooked numbers on that scoreboard, uh, you might be disappointed next week. I, that could very well be a survive and advance kind of a performance. Uh, the one thing that stood out that stood out to me both against Michigan yesterday. And against Ohio State last year in the in the matchup with Rutgers, um, Shiano is really good at halftime adjustments, and they come out in the ha- at the second half and really kind of take away what you like to do. I thought he did that a little bit against Ohio State last year in the second half, and then he certainly did that yesterday against Michigan. Um, he, he's a good coach, and you know, to your point about how the hell <laughs> did he, you know, oversee <laughs> the worst defense in Ohio State history. And then, you know, uh, go back to Rutgers and work his magic. Our, our friend, Doug Maurice marie said, you know, this could just be a weird case of a guy who is a much better head coach than a coordinator. You often see the other way around, right? You see star coordinators go on to to run their own programs and it not work out, right? Some, some coaches are much better suited as coordinators and not running programs. Well- Shiano appears to be the opposite of that. He's much better running a program than being a coordinator. And, uh, you know, high state's got to be ready and they've got to be ready for in the second half of that game. I think, uh, you know, Michigan was able to jump out and win largely on what they did in the first half. You know, they jumped out to a 20 to three halftime lead and had to hang on. So high state has to be ready for that. If they can get an early lead and then they got to figure out a way to kind of out scheme at, at Ryan Day, you know, he's got to figure out a way to win, win the second half chess match against uh against Shiano. So that, that's my initial look at that game and, and we'll see how it plays out. What uh what do you what do you make the line unless you've already seen it? I have not already seen it. Um you know I think it is still Rutgers. I, I think it's still a, a low double digit line. Ohio State minus eleven.
1: I don't know. What do you think, PBH? Yeah it's about I was gonna say either nine or somewhere around that neighborhood.
2: Chad? That sound about right to you? Uh I, I think um, I think it's gonna be more like seventeen.
1: Seventeen?
2: Okay. Wow. wow. All right. Okay. Yep. You heard it here. And <laughs> I, I I honestly believe I'm sure I we're gonna blow them out. I have a feeling.
1: Ah, okay. Well, hear I mean, you hear you, you. Daily Beast, is heard it br- here first.
2: Breaking news.
0: So, uh,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, 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 all about it.
0: <laughs> so, kind of like, yeah, you, if you pull back the lens and you look at what we've seen so far in the Big Ten, especially yesterday, we had some close calls, right? We had some, uh, we had some, uh, you know, Iowa not looking all that impressive, as you've already mentioned, uh, chat at home against Colorado State. Minnesota losing at home to Bowling Green. I mean, come on. Well, I you know, the folks got a little excited, maybe a little over their skis about you know the Big Ten uh, early on. Uh, you know, Wisconsin getting blown out by by Notre Dame, uh, Michigan State being taken to the wire by Nebraska. Right, they're a top twenty team. That was that game was played in East Lansing, and then of course Michigan, you know, hanging on for dear life against uh, against Rutgers. Though we do give you know Rutgers some credit for actually being a much improved program. Maybe you know, maybe the Big Ten didn't quite all that. Uh, You know, another observation from yesterday: Penn State's two biggest wins. Um, Auburn, right? The big celebrated whiteout win over Auburn. Auburn was life and death to beat Georgia State on its home field. They eked out a win last night. I think they scored the game-winning touchdown with under a minute to play. And, uh, and then, of course, Wisconsin getting shelled by, by Notre Dame and looking completely outclassed. It's going to be a long season for Wisconsin, by the way. I think they're going to lose four or five don't, games. Don't so, that, that. so how good is Penn State is my yeah, question. Right? How, how, what, what do we think of yeah, Penn State I, in light of that? Sorry, go ahead, Chad.
2: Herb Street just came, Herb Street just came out with his top four for uh, as college football stands right now, and he's got the Nittany Lions at number four.
0: Mm, yeah, we'll see about that. You got to put, put somebody there. You got to put right? somebody there. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, you know. But
2: I think I think pers- I threw this. I think I threw this out in our text thread last night. I said, doesn't college football just seem like it just? I mean, it's kind of a crazy year so far. Absolutely. Like, what's it's wide in open the landscape with like teams exactly it's crazy it hasn't been like this for quite some time and it's it's kind of cool
0: yeah yeah no and and actually there's a little more to talk about on that front first of all i and i will say for the record that cade stover's uh mohawk should actually be ranked number four in the ap poll today (laughs) i don't know if you guys saw that during carmen ohio he's got a pretty sweet mohawk uh i gotta give him props for that so so another some other big developments clemson Goes to North Carolina State, looks terrible, hapless on offense. Their defense keeps a minute as they have, you know, most of the season. But the James Skulski goes down. They lose Brian Brzee to an injury. North Carolina wins the game in overtime. Clemson is done. Their playoff hopes are done. ACC as a conference, probably done uh, in terms of the playoff. And that's going to open up a slot. Certainly that's good news for Ohio State fans. Uh, Paige, did you see any of that Clemson game yesterday? And
1: what were your thoughts? Well, yeah, because we watched them miss the field goal to win it in regulation. Yeah. Um, and, and then you're like, oh God, they're gonna squeak squeak this out. But they didn't. And uh, I'm stunned to hear that Schlauske still play what is he, an eighteenth year senior? <laughs> doesn't that guy graduate? What yeah, he
0: not still... only him, but Nolan Turner and you know, some <sighs> Balin Spector. I'm like, how many years of eligibility do these guys
1: get? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but to your point, from the, the larger, you know, sort of landscape. Um, it is totally wide open. And Chad mentioned it, too. It's it's kind of fun, you know. I mean, totally. I think we, we think, you know, Alabama's probably a class above maybe Georgia. Who knows? But, uh, you know, after that, you got to just put somebody three and four. But I don't think you could. N- nobody knows. I mean, Oklahoma, life and death to beat West Virginia. Again. You called that. Yeah. It, it, you know, I mean, so. If a high state can figure some things out on defense, there's no reason why they can't be in the mix come the end of the season. I, I totally agree. Open. Get us to
0: that bye week. That that's my refrain right now. You know, navigate these next couple of tricky games because I think Maryland could be a little tricky too. Um, you know, they're not a good team, but you know they they've got some playmakers on offense against the young defense. You know, it could could be a little tricky. That game's in the shoe, but get through these next two games. Get to the bye week. Maybe you can install some some things. And bye week. Get some guys healthy, and and then maybe you you start playing your best football when it really really matters um on the topic of Oklahoma Chad I, I don't know if you saw any of that game but you know for the third time in four weeks Oklahoma life and death on its home field to get past an unranked opponent do you see in that game Chad and what were your thoughts
2: yeah I watched a little bit they they look lost man yeah. I mean again they're you know offensive heavy and their defense is just you know typical Oklahoma defense they you know West Virginia is a good like they're a good squad man. They beat Virginia Tech last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, but still, that's a game you would think should have been just a, you know, not as close as it was. Not at um, all, but yeah.
0: I mean, so Oklahoma has so they yet they look to leave lost in, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, they have yet to leave Norman, Oklahoma. Uh they played all the all four of their their games to date on their home field. Uh 40 to 35 over Tulane in the opener. Unranked Tulane. They played a Western Carolina team, totally rematched in week two, 76 zip. But then last week against Nebraska, unranked Nebraska, 23 to 16. And then the result against West Virginia, you know, barely escaping, you know, last second field goal to win that game. Uh, This is not a top five team, in my opinion. I mean, Oklahoma is somewhere, you know, middle middle of the top 15, in my opinion. Now they go uh, to Manhattan and face Kansas State next week. So it's their first road game. We'll see. And then they get the Red River, what are they calling it now? Rivalry, shootout. I don't know what they're calling it. Then they get Texas uh, the, the following week. So, you know, the meat of their schedule is is starting to, you know, they're, they're they're entering that. So we'll see just how good they actually are and if they can navigate that schedule undefeated. Who, who
1: won the, um, they were getting beat, the uh, Baylor-Iowa State game. Did Iowa State come back to
2: win? Baylor did. Baylor Didn't won. It. Yeah. Baylor well, shocked them.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if not Oklahoma, I don't see who else comes out of the the Big 12. Uh, you know, we – we uh, Iowa State's turned out to be a fraud and, uh, you know, not unable to handle expectations. Uh, you know, it's just, we, we, we always talk about this, right? It's one thing to sneak up on the field and have a nice season, but then to come back and do it again when there's expectations. You know, I'm looking at you, Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, it's a, it's a It's a whole different ball of wax, right?
1: So – um, well, and so much of the quarterback play is just atrocious. Right. And like, it, it's yeah. like, it's painful to watch, you know, like Graham Mertz at Wisconsin play quarterback. It's oh. just, it's not an enjoyable thing. And then it goes back <laughs> to us where we're trying to choose which five-star player we should be playing. Right. Oh God. It's like, it's-
0: <laughs> and, and it's not like they've had a putrid, putrid performance. At quarterback. I mean, you know, Stroud struggled last week, but you know, it's not uncommon. We saw Justin Fields have a off days. like that. you know, again, back to that Big Ten title game last year. He, he was not yeah. good. But, yeah. you know, does anybody disagree that he's not a great quarterback? So you have those off performances, but you look at kind of overall, still getting a lot of production out of quarterback, especially relative to what's happening at Clemson and, you know, some of these other programs where it's just, it's terrible. I mean, they're hapless all right boys well look i think that's a hell of an effort for our first podcast of the year even though it's you know four full weeks into the regular season maybe we try and do this again next week um, good times man good times good times anything else you guys want to share before we shut her down today no, it was no? good chat no.
2: good to be back on with you boys the south Stand's kicking it again i like
0: it all right boys good to be with you hey have a great sunday go browns and we'll go speak Brown. again next week brownies you've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.